This is Subconscious Mind Mastery Podcast number 33. Hello! <laughs> yeah, welcome back, huh? Took a little break in the month of September. Oh, we'll talk about the month of September. Where in the world did it go? But it's been uh, quite a month, and I really appreciate hearing from so many of you. I received quite a few emails even just this week. Hey, when are you coming back? Well, I just had to take a break, and I'll tell you exactly what all happened in September because it's all part of these lessons, and boy, was it ever a month to go deeper. You know, I've always thought that whenever you put yourself in a position of speaking out, uh, whether you're a teacher or whether you have some kind of a public ministry or whether you speak in a podcast, that uh, things come around to test your stuff. So whatever it is you're putting out, you're going to be tested to see if that really holds up and is true and is consistent with integrity in your life. So I think some of September was part of that, and then some of September was just plain going deeper for me. So what happened? A couple of things triggered the month of September for me, and one was podcast number 32 with Fred Dodson. Fred wrote the book, The Reality Creation Technique, and earlier in the summer, I well, the summer in the U.S., so many of you listen to us from south of the equator, so let's just say in June and July, Fred and I collaborated, and I recorded the audiobook for him for The Reality Creation Technique. And when it was released, we did an interview. It's podcast number 32. Now, at the beginning of that, you might have caught that he had some significant things happen to him at the age of four. And we didn't go into great depth during the interview of what took place, but we talked about it a little bit more offline because he said something that really stuck with me. And if you listened to the interview, you might have heard him say that we don't come in a clean slate. And what was behind that and what has really given Fred's work the depth that it has are some things that happened to him very early in his childhood that there's no way, there is no way that it could have formulated in just those first three years. And in part of his journey, and what really makes you appreciate him a lot more when you understand this, is that for him, you know, when he got popped on the butt in the hospital for the first time, it wasn't, he wasn't just a whiteboard. And I came to realize, and that was what triggered it is because I have known that, but just really hadn't unraveled that or unpacked that in my own life, that there's stuff, there's stuff. And I don't know if you feel that way or not, but for me, it really started uh, an introspective look at what could have happened before the slap in the hospital. The other thing that came up, and I've listed some resources on the post on the website at subconsciousmindmastery.com, some things that I have done. If you wanted to see my reading list for the month of September, I put it up there. So I've been taking a look at Darren Weissman's work. Uh, He has a new book out. It's called The Heart of the Matter, which is the name of his radio show on Hay House Internet, hayhouseradio.com. And Dr. Weissman has developed a technique that he put together. He's a chiropractor in Chicago. And he put together this technique called the Lifeline Technique. It's a combination of years of study, and in the book, Awakening to the Secret Code of Your Mind, he goes into how he put all this together, and it's a fascinating story, and it's a training and a background that basically would be very difficult, virtually impossible to duplicate. But it's given him the unique perspective that 
whenever these things come up in our life that we react to, that that is a form of a subconscious reaction from a programming. And again, Dr. Weissman is able to trace that programming back into our early childhood. So when you hear him do a Lifeline session on Hay House Radio, for example, he will walk back into somebody's childhood and he'll say at the age of five, you were exposed to an environment of fear. Now, he's able to do this by using muscle testing. So he's muscle testing while he's working with somebody, and it's the universe. It's the subconscious reality that connects that person's original source of pain to the work that Dr. Weissman is doing right now. And it's really cool to listen to him do this. But sometimes Dr. Weissman will go back before birth. So either issues that happened, let's say, before somebody was born or might have been in the environment around their birth or something that happened traumatic to the mother while they were in the womb. But again, confirmation, we don't come in a clean blank slate. So I've given you affiliate links to Amazon if you'd like to pick up any of Dr. Weissman's work. He has three books out mainly, The Awakening to the Secret Code of Your Mind, Heart of the Matter is the New One, and then The Power of Infinite Love and Gratitude, where he walks through the lifeline technique, or at least part of it. It's not The lifeline technique is complicated. It's 16 steps or 16 stages that, that is all combined together. It's really a neat process. But the book, those books give you an introduction to his work. Another one that I stumbled across was Michael Samuels. He has a book called The University, spelled uniquely, as you'll see over on the website, A Spiritual Education Using the Law of Attraction, and then his second book, Just Ask the Universe, A No-Nonsense Guide to Manifesting Your Dreams. Now, what I picked up on and kind of stayed with this past month is that uh, Michael Samuels, the one thing I got from that is that he talks to his subconscious mind. He's given his subconscious a personality. And he's even called it a name. So for Michael Samuels, he calls his subconscious Rufus. I figured, well, if it works for him, why not? So I started talking to my subconscious with the name Rufus, Conversations with Rufus. (laughs) That's not where I want to hang out for this podcast, but it was kind of a neat little twist on how to react and relate to your subconscious mind. So Dr. Weissman's work, very subconscious related. Michael Samuels, giving your subconscious name a personality, your subconscious mind a personality. And then I spent some time also in Fred Dodson's book called Parallel Universes of Self, just because it's a really deep read and it talks about being able to transcend realities, and if you'll just have to go there. I'm not – again, we're not going to talk about that today on this one, but it does give you a broader perspective. And I guess maybe that's the, maybe that's the theme of September is broader perspective because, you know, when you're really searching for answers, the material will come to you. It will find you. I had this app sitting on my iPod for I don't know how long. And I clicked on it the other day and I started reading it. It's an interactive app that basically takes sections of a book and just puts it into a formula. Well, the book is by a guy by the name of Dan Millman, and the book itself is called The Life You Were Born to Live. And this is also in an app. for. And by the way, if you've upgraded your iPhone to that new software, it won't work. I tried to put it on the phone and it died. So I guess this is an OS 6 only app for a while. So be careful. If you've upgraded and you try to buy the app, don't do it yet. 
But Dan Millman's main book is called Peaceful Warrior. It actually was made into a movie in 2006 starring Nick Nolte. And it's a story, a little bit of an autobiography woven into a story, a novel about his spiritual journey. And it's the movie. I watched the movie last night, and it really is a great – do you like a movie with a good ending? You know how you watch a movie all the way through and you invest a couple of hours of your – and the movie, the ending just sucks. Well, this is a great ending. I mean, it leaves you almost jaw-dropping, wow, and you get it. So that's Peaceful Warrior. It's on Netflix. If you're a Netflix subscriber, it's on there for for free. But back to the book and this app, Dan Millman says that he was mentored by somebody who showed him this technique of taking your birthday and the numbers associated with your birthday and determining what your life path is. So I picked up this app and started reading it, and again, jaw-dropping, oh my gosh, because I just started reading this last week, and it so clearly framed what had been happening for me the entire month of September, and realizing that everything that had been taking place was just parallel to this path. And what's really cool is about two weeks ago, I did a little college tour with a stop-off in Austin. I, I uh, left out on Friday evening, went down to Waco, and had dinner with my daughter and just made sure she was doing okay down at Baylor University in her first freshman year. And she was doing great, and we had a wonderful evening. I spent the night there in town. We had breakfast the next day. Baylor was playing football game that afternoon. I dropped her off, and I headed on down to Waco, uh, to uh, Austin. And then on Sunday, I flipped back over to College Station, and my son turned 21 on Sunday. And so we had lunch together with he and his girlfriend. And so I've got this little triangle. I can go south and then over to Austin and then over to College Station and back to Dallas and hit everything, right? Well, that's what I did. It's kind of a cool weekend. So I went on the College Triangle and spent the day basically on Saturday and Saturday evening in Austin. And a lot of things have been going on wrestling through these issues that had started dominoing in late August and early September and just struggling with it. I was reacting to it and pressing against it and trying to figure out what I was going to do. And I'm like, I don't need this job. I don't need this tax on this, this stress, this taxation on my health. And I'll just quit. I'm, you know, I kind of want to go live in the mountains anyway. And I'm just like, I'm screw it. I'm just, I'm out of here. You know, that old Johnny, I grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma, right? That old Johnny paycheck song you remember from the seventies, take this job and shove it. I ain't working here no more. Well, that's kind of where, where I was in mid-September. But I'll tell you, something kept me hanging on. That whole song was funny, wasn't it? Take this job and shove it. Well, I'll tell you, if you don't, I have three versions of my resignation letter typed right, right now sitting in Evernote. No, I deleted it. Actually, I deleted it because I wanted to get it out of my space because I was like, no, I'm not going to just do that because that's walking out in the middle of a lesson. And if you walk out in the middle of a lesson... Guess what's going to happen down the road? So I'd rather, right now, I mean, I'm getting paid pretty well to learn this stuff. So I'm going to hang in there with it. So I went down to Austin and sat on the bank of Lake Travis out there. There's a little bluff that you can sit on and 
There's not much left of Lake Travis. Unfortunately, the drought in this part of the world has sucked most of the water out of that lake. It's really sad. It's almost more like the River Travis, but it does have a dam on it, and something has backed up. There are a few uh, sailboats out cruising around and, and whatnot, but I spent several hours out. There was a gorgeous afternoon, and several things came to me in my journal. Now, this was before finding the Melman app. And as I was out there basically meditating and writing and just pondering in my, with my journal in hand, two things came pretty clear. Number one was the thought of, what if all of this was just a journey? In other words, what if, what if none of the particulars of everything that was going on really mattered? Just relax and realize that it's all part of a design to help me grow. So thought number one was to realize that where I am right now, in all of the dysfunctionality and all of the chaos and all of the challenge, was where I needed to be in order to grow most efficiently. So what if all the people, the personalities, the players were not that significant, that they were just players, they were bit players on my stage, on the stage of my life and the stage of my development. And just it just took a lot of the personality out of it. And then the second thought that really came on strong was instead of looking at my life from here on of what could I do, what could I build, what could I do for myself, the question came instead how could I serve? How could I contribute? How could I give to others? So I left Austin with a fresh perspective of you're not going to quit. You're in school. You're actually getting paid for it. You are contributing. There are more lessons to learn. And until you learn them, this is not going to go away. And then a real calm assurance that if I will focus on how to help as many other people as possible, that at some point when the lessons are complete, and the next stage will be ready and will unfold in the right time. And it will be clear at that time. So then I came back and more dysfunctionality. It certainly amped up and ramped up. And one night before, before I was going to bed, I just I picked up my iPad and I wanted to read something healthy before I went to bed. And there it was, this app, this Life You Were Born to Live app that explains our life in the context of a journey, a pathway, a soul journey. And as he puts it, he uses a mountain climbing analogy that we have to climb the mountain of these areas. So for me, just to let you know, some, some people's journeys, there are 37 of them. And some of them are more unidimensional. In other words, you're here for one kind of one thing, one big theme, one lesson. And the focus of life is, is more narrow of accomplishing or achieving or dealing with this one thing. Mine is much broader and it's more multidimensional. And you know what's amazing is that for many of us, we either A, miss the fact that we are on such a path or B, we miss the objectives of the path. I was reading some reviews of his book, and there was a, a PhD, somebody who's a PhD in, I think it was South Africa. Uh, she said that it has taken me a life of 44 years to actually get this awareness. 
And you realize, and I thought the same thing. I thought, oh, man, if I could have had this when I was a kid. Or what if you could empower parents to be able to teach their kids and look for these characteristics and these traits and help not only know it for themselves and be working on their own journey, but to help enlighten and inspire and motivate their kids in a certain direction to work on their journey. What a difference in the world that would make. But the main areas that I'm working through are balance and harmony slash cooperation. So, in other words, not saying take this job and shove it, but working through it and working in harmony with people that you disagree with. And the balance of just being able to say, it's 5 o'clock, I'm going home, I'm going to turn this off. I've never done that well. And now just realizing that it's all part of a path, it's all part of a plan. So, Even though it's hard for me to just shut something off and say, okay, I'm going to switch gears and now I'm going to go take care of myself, (laughs) living out of balance in that area, now I'm going to realize that it's part of life's lesson. And so when I do leave and drive away at 5 o'clock and the office gets smaller and smaller and smaller in the rearview mirror, that that's okay. And that it's all right to get on the bicycle and to put the phone in the airplane mode and not worry about the emails until tomorrow morning. And that's okay. And to bring workability and harmony and consensus to a group of people who are not getting along. And to realize that my greatest contribution is in the harmony. Another one of my big life lessons is to learn to work with abundance and success for common good. The two subpoints under that category are working through insecurities, which in my path are substantial, and secondly, claiming and owning my own authority, my own self-power, enough to be with abundance and success for the common good. And I've always closed that off in my life. I know I have, and that's why these lessons were so enlightening for me, because everything that was discussed is some issue that I know I've already had and been working through in some way, but boy, this just really shined a spotlight on it. The other big area is kind of the crescendo area is dealing with a very positive, creative energy that I have been born with that needs to be expressed in the world. And then there's another combination of four qualities, four heightened qualities of sensitivity, strength, enlightenment, and intuition that also kind of encompass this whole, this whole package. So the month of September has been inspiring, difficult, exhausting. I mean, I would come home every day and just not even have the energy to move. And then at just the right time, in just the right way, the universe putting its hand on my shoulder and pointing down the way and saying, you are exactly where you need to be. Millman uses the analogy of climbing a mountain. It was about this time of year, last year, that I climbed Colorado's tallest peak, Mount Elbert. It's not, I mean, it's not rope climbing, not like that. It's a day hike, but the mountain is 14,400 feet tall, so it's a pretty good climb. And for a flatlander in his early 50s, you know, it's it's, uh, something that we just don't do around here in Dallas, Texas every day. So when Millman talks about the analogy of climbing the mountain, I can definitely relate because there are times along the climb where it's really difficult. 
there are some points on Albert when you get up into the upper elevations, it gets a little harder to breathe. So you have to deal with the fatigue that your body goes through in adjusting to uh, 12,000 feet, basically, where the shift in oxygen really takes place. And along the trail at the top of a mountain, it's rocky up there. That's why they're called the uh, Rocky Mountains. And you're climbing up over these rocks, and the pitch is steep, and things start to hurt. Your legs hurt, your feet hurt, your body hurts, your stomach cramps up a little bit because of the altitude. And all of that is you're still keeping your eye up there on that summit. You go, I'm going to make this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to get up to that top. I'm going to stand on the top of this mountain. And that's what drives you. And you take a break. You get your air back. You take a breather. And then you get going again. You get one step in front of the next. You put that. That's how you get up that mountain is literally you look down at the ground in front of you. You look up at the goal. Here's how you do it. You look up at the goal and you go, got it. And then you look back down at the ground and you look at where that next step is going to go. And when your head's kind of dizzy and your stomach's knotted up and you're looking off to the right and it's a really long 3,500-foot drop if you happen to lose your footing, you just look down at the ground and you look, where am I going to put my next step? And you do that step, step, step until you run out of breath. And then you, <laughs> you stop and you breathe. You get a little sip of water and you keep going. You do the same thing again. Look up there at the top. Got it. I want to stand up there. And then you look back down and step after step after step. So where are you in this? You've heard about me. Let's talk about you for a second. Whatever it is that's going on in your life, whether it's fulfilled dreams or unfulfilled dreams, broken relationships, loss, hurts, wounds, struggles, challenges, it's all part of climbing your mountain. It's all part of the struggle. It's all part of that path that your soul, that inner you, is on for this lifetime. And especially on the hard days, if somehow we could just zoom back and take a look at it from that perspective and not focus on the details, but focus on the big picture, the journey. Back in the spring, well, the spring in the U.S., the spring north of the equator, back in March, when I started doing these podcasts, I, I figured I needed to close them somehow. And just the phrase, enjoy the journey, came to mind. And something told me when I started saying that, I said, you keep using that. You keep, that's what you want to use at the end of every one of these, because it's going to mean a lot more to you down the road. Boy, is it a lot more clear after September 2013. So till we get together again next time, which will not be a month, I promise. Let's all go out and enjoy the journey. I'm Thomas Miller. Thanks for listening. The opinions on this podcast are those of the host based on personal experience only and are not intended as medical or psychological advice. If you are experiencing symptoms that require professional treatment, please contact a licensed medical practitioner. The stories and opinions expressed on this podcast are independently those of the host and guests and are not intended to be taken as medical advice or to replace medical care from a licensed professional when appropriate.